Welcome to episode nine of the Breakaway Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, uh, as always, and I have two special guests with me this week. I have Jack Francis. What's up, guys? It's Mr. Limited. I did wonder if I'd have to introduce you in some sort of uh, steady manner, but you did it yourself. Nice one. And uh, I also have a very special guest, our first non-league podcast uh, guest. I have Jack Pike. Say hello, mate. Hello, guys. Just happy to be here. <laughs> just here so you won't get fine, right? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I'm really glad that I'm just on with um, somebody who's really consistent, who doesn't like pushing the boat out too much. Really steady, Eddie. I'm glad to be yeah. on with somebody like that. Yeah, we can really. I'm just, I'm just glad that I'm on with Pike, who is still dressed in a shirt and a jumper, just like being <laughs> eight o'clock because he's not had a second to take his jumper off while he cooked dinner tonight. <laughs> I think he goes to bed in that jumper. Hang on a minute, is that a mallard on it? <laughs> <laughs> Rollins would love it. Get in the club. Unsurprisingly, that question might come up later and you're probably going to have to explain it to me. Anyway, right, guys, uh, usual format of the podcast, headlines, last week, next week, special feature, which, as you can imagine, is very Pike heavy. And then uh, some questions for our our regular league guest, Franco, just to finish things off. So uh, let's jump in. Let's do some headlines. Uh, I think we have to start with uh, the biggest headline of the week. Steve fucking White and his 250-point week. Steve fucking White. (laughs) Absolutely mental. Yeah, I just feel sorry for whoever's on the receiving end of that because that was a week. It really was, wasn't it? I mean, it it kind of like intrinsically linked with his performance was just four outstanding fantasy football performances from... Justin Fields, Joe Mixon, Kenny Walker, and Travis Etienne, who put up, you know, an, an absolute sledging of points. I think between them, they put up, what was it, 180 points? Yep. That's what I got, 180. I actually made a little note here that Steve could have beaten me with four of his 12 players. And I had to look back for him, and he actually could have beaten me with a three. So he could have beaten me with a quarter of his team this week had he selected Fields, Mixon, and one of Walker or Etienne. Uh, it would have been enough. I think Steve could have beaten everyone with those four players. Um, I yeah, don't think anybody else outscored those four. So, you know, um, incredible performances. <laughs> Fields uh, with the most regular season rushing yards with a QB at 178, which is only three behind Kaepernick's 181 against Green Bay, which I maintain is one of my three favourite 49ers moments. That performance by Cap was unbelievable. Yeah, yes. Fields was was similar. Like the, there was that big rush he had for like sixty odd yards. He's just uh, such a great such runner. He's so strong. It's an exciting time. I mean, it's really and for Steve as well. I mean, it's fantastic they're putting up already. But Fields twenty three, Etienne twenty three, and Walker twenty two. Yeah, uh, Steve's base is set for a long time. Yeah, and he might even win the league this year. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot um, of talk in the earlier pods about him going long term. Not this year, not win now. Wow, what a turnaround for the man. It's yeah, looking good, though. It's looking really nice. He's had a, a few things turning in his favour with, like, Rashad Penny getting injured, so Kenny Walker being unlocked. But, you know, fair play to him. Uh, he, he has, he's been on an absolute tear the last four weeks. Yeah, uh, just one point of 
for Steve. Your IDP only got six points, mate. I mean, what the fuck is that? If you need any, uh, need any tips on your IDP, I'm your man, okay? Well, he, he couldn't pick up anyone else, mate, because you've got them all. <laughs> um, so as well as Fields we had Joe Mixon uh, who became the sixth player in the Super Bowl era to get 200 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns I, I've been pretty critical of Mixon throughout the season and um, I don't like particularly talking about him positively because of his domestic violence history and I, I you know so I don't have any players with domestic violence history on any of my fantasy teams. So talking positively about Joe Mixon does not go over well with me, but he was absolutely fantastic this week. Four of his touchdowns came against stack boxes um, and he was completely dominant. He was, um, you know, just running whatever he wanted and he made some great catches as well. Um, so, not very yeah. Joe mixon was he? No, no, not like the rest of the season, Joe Mixon. He is still under four yards of carry for the season. So, you know, despite an absolutely insane performance, uh, I still think he's a bit shit. But What's the uh, the Trent Richardson, Mendoza diagonal line? Uh, three, three yards. 3.4 yards per carry. Three yards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Becky, uh, yeah, no, I had Vicky to... Mendoza line, isn't it? Vicky Mendoza. <laughs> I had to... Uh... I had to double check because I didn't even realize Steve had Mixon. Like when it started, I was like, oh, we haven't seen Mixon for a while. Who's actually got him? And I was like, oh, Steve, shit. And I, yeah, it just got worse and worse from there, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, ETN. So last few games, ETN has had 16 points, 14 points, 19 points, 32, and then 30. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry. And he's actually only got four touchdowns. He just looks sensational. And he had that Liz Frank injury that is usually hard to recover from. Doesn't seem to be too hard for him. No, he's looking really good. And I don't even know if he listens to this, but shout out to Shine. So I know he's big on SEM before. Uh, maybe I said that, but he's uh, looking really good now. So um, I know Shine's got him in some other leagues, but he's looking fantastic for Steve in this one. Yeah, great for you, Pike, as a Jags fan, to have a player like that in the ranks. Uh, first game I've watched in a long time. So really glad to have watched the highlights for this one, Franco. Um, my favourite highlight of Etienne was at one point somebody was going for a run. He went for a block on a uh, on a big lad, and he just looked like he got swatted like a fly. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that guy's great. <laughs> and then final player to talk about uh, Kenny Walker, five point one four yards for carry on the season, but he has the highest rate of ten plus yard runs uh, in the league. Uh, to me, he reminds me of like young Saquon when Sa- Saquon first came in the league and he would basically either run for two yards or 50 yards. Um, you know, and he's that kind of player. He's, he's like trying to find the hole and when he does, you can't stop him. Um, and again, I'm praising a Seahawks player like I did with Gino. It upsets me personally, but it's so much fun to watch. Just like, I think we said it the other week, just like a real angry runner and uh, he looks like an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, he looks really good. And like I said, he's he's such a seahawk already. And it's almost like Russ has exited the building. He's come in and he's just taken over that mantle as the face of the franchise almost. He he runs like a seahawk. He plays how they want to play. They want to establish that ground game. Um, and he's given them that platform. Who's this Russ you speak of? Mr. 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 <laughs> you see that uh was it tiktok he did after he got back from london and uh he was like really leaning into the fact that he'd had the piss ripped out of him for his high knees on the plane <laughs> this looks so awkward looks like a robot 
Uh, I think I'm beginning to love Russ. I think I've gone for the cringe now. And I'm like, actually, I think I like Russ again. This comeback. Yeah. <laughs> it's on. Yeah. So Steve White. I mean, if he carries on like that, which he won't, um, then uh, he, he could be a league winner this season. Uh, it's it's all really bunched up now. I know the uh, we'll talk about it later. The Baldings guys have really really dropped off the ledge as Steve has risen, but. Um, yeah, it, this, the league could go anywhere over the next few weeks. Few injuries, few bye weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, I'll speak about it more. The battering, the beatdown I received from Steve when I talk about the matchup review <laughs> later on um, and go into a few of those points. But with that core, he does have the ability for other players to fall off the radar and not really matter too much, which is a, a nice position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so second headline, I've got Frank Reich fired as Colts head coach. Um it's sort of mental. He's got a winning record as a coach um, and he's been delivered a series of terrible old quarterbacks to deal with by his, by his general manager. And they've replaced him with Jeff Saturday, who's got no coaching experience, uh, but seems to be a close personal friend of Jim Irsay. So that is pretty mental. It really felt like uh, let's just give it to Giggsy for the rest of the season kind of moment. Let's just give it a chat <laughs> at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, his, I had to look up the same thing, Spider. Like, what is his pedigree? What has he done? And I found that he did coach Hebron Christian Academy, where he had a record of 20 and 16. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not even sure what level that is, but even at that level, he's not he's not done much. So I love Jeff Saturday, the player. Uh, yeah. Not sure about Jeff Saturday, the coach yet. <laughs> No, I, I mean, you know, you sort of like want to dive into what are the fantasy implications of this, but is is, is Matthew Melt going to come back? Um, is Jonathan Taylor going to get shut down? Is Michael Pittman ever going to catch another pass? Uh, all of these things are possible. Is Don Jackson going to break out? I hope so, mate. I hope so. Let's just shut Jonathan Taylor down and give give Don, Don Jackson the rock 25 times a game. Now we're talking because he would be sub Trent Richards zone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit of shame. I know we've spoken separately, Spike, in different chats about like the coaching scheme in Indy and Frank Reich, and that like, good coaches always shine through. And we all this year kind of thought that Indianapolis would come out of that rut the other side, and the coaches would shine. Um, unfortunately, that's not not been the case for Reich, and he's obviously gone. And you'd have to expect that he will move on to another gig in the NFL. He's a, he's a proven coach. Um, he's Pay for a lot, always work for a lot of teams, so you'll find another home. But yeah, a shame that the Colts didn't really deal him the best hand on the old quarterback from. Yeah, it seems like Ursa has been really meddling with the team a lot more than he has done in recent seasons. Obviously, he really lent in to getting rid of Carson Wentz last year, and, and now it seems like I mean, he's the owner, he can do what he wants, but it doesn't always end well when the, when the owners start meddling with the team. Yeah, and Wright come in thinking he had Andrew Luck on his side for the next 10 years uh, and he didn't really have to worry about that position and yeah. that's happened to be anything but. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the last two headlines I've got both kind of like surprise result related. I've got the Bills. Uh, the Bills lost this weekend um, against uh, the, the Jets who, you know, we were sort of saying the other week, you know, Great defense, but can they really maintain the results they've got? Well, this was an incredible performance. Um, Zach Wilson is now like five and one as a start of this season, despite not really looking good. Uh, yeah, 
again, the coaching's excellent, but um, the bolts, the, the sorry, the bolts, <laughs> the Bills really looked vulnerable in that game. And I know Josh Allen picked a knock, but that wasn't the story of the game. Um, they, they just got outplayed. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, the last two games, the Jets have been kind of sliding. They get beat down by the Patriots, and you think, here we go. Um, Zach Wilson's days might be numbered there. They're going to start sliding. And then they kind of turn this corner with this massive win. It's a bit surprising. You, like I say, you look over the stats and think, where was this game won and lost? Um, the Bills' stats look like they only played half a game. Um, the Jets' offensive players didn't really do anything very exciting. Rush yards were minimal. Zach Wilson didn't do much. Um, so I think, like I say, it's well coached. And the Jets' defence, got a lot has got to be given to them. I know the closing of the game, Source Gardner really showed up. Um, which is great to see. He's proven to be a fantastic addition to that defense. Um, yeah, a bit of a surprise, really, because even with that, you think the Bills get the job done. So, yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? And obviously, Allen's now got this injury. I've seen that he's um, questionable for this weekend, and they're they're talking about Case Keenum starting against the the Vikings. Um, I, I was sort of looking looking at their players from a fantasy relevance perspective. Obviously, Diggs is incredible, um, but beyond that. Uh, yeah, obviously Alan, but who who else can you really rely on? Like Gabe Davis is a is an up and down player. He's either getting thirty yards or he's getting ninety yards, and and you never know what week's going to be good. He dropped a seventy yard pass this week, so uh, you know the running backs are a mess, and and uh, Dawson Knox not really someone you want to plug into your lineup, is he? Absolutely not. Yeah, the the rushing yards after Allen, I think Allen had just under 100 rush yards and those two touchdowns. And after that, they had 48 rush yards from three others. Just the runabouts were irrelevant. It's not even worth mentioning. And like you said, the passes are generally going Diggs' way. Um, and any other mix depending on the game script. So, yeah, yeah fantasy-wise, there's, there seems to be two players in that. Yeah, yeah. But the main on, ones. Yeah, given that. That AFC East, though, um, I looked at the the standings. You got the Bills at six and two, Jets at six and three, Dolphins at six and three. In the past, one game behind at five and four. It's like that division is going to be really exciting. <laughs> Moving to the business end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's everything that the NFC South isn't. Mm. <laughs> Uh, last headline then, uh, we actually sort of talked about this a little bit last week. Um, the Packers, I'm going to say surprise loss this week, um, but I don't know how much of a surprise it really was. All right, the Lions have really struggled, but the Packers have been pretty awful all season. And uh, I think at this point, I don't know who you would trust to plug into your lineup as a Packers player. Um, you might have said Aaron Jones, but he's been a mixed proposition at best. Jordan Love. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they pull the plug on Rogers and they bring Jordan Love in. Uh, no, I don't know. They they suck. And I'm sorry because I know I switched to Toby last week and he does listen to this occasionally. So maybe cover your ears for this bit, Dorse, because it's, it's not pretty listening. But yes, yeah, a, a five game losing streak for them now. It amazes me that at one point they were three and one. Um, yeah. Now, now three and six and looking every bit of the part of that. Um, the Lions didn't really need to do anything to beat them either. That was a, it wasn't like a crazy Lions offensive game. They, they just just won by doing very little, which makes it even worse for the Packers. It's just there's no identity there. It's, no, doesn't look pretty for them. I, I've I've heard a lot and read a lot of sort of in defence of Aaron Rodgers, and obviously we talked um, about Tom Brady last week with with uh, the Ballings duo and whether his numbers reflect the reality. With Rogers, like there's there's a lot of similarities in his numbers, but 
his touchdown percentage is down more than half. His interception percentage is up quite significantly, and his yards per attempt are are the worst of his career, other than the the first two year two years where he barely played. So I think genuinely think the problem is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think um, Romeo Dobbs or Alan Lazard are good, um, but I look at it and I go, Rodgers cannot be an easy guy to deal with. And if you lead in the way that Rogers is currently leading, you are going to turn a heck of a lot of people off. And whilst that might have worked for him in the past, it's clearly not working with this group of players. I suspect he is massively hated in that locker room. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it would take a brave move to do it. But you kind of think the season's gone now. Let's, let's get Jordan Love in there for the end of the season. Let's pound the rock. Let's establish the run game. Um, let's just see what we can do moving forward because Rogers. Just get rid of him. He's, he's 39 now. His productive years have gone. He might do a Brady and move on to another team and try and make a run of it. It probably won't work. Like you say, um, I think the Packers should now be looking to the future um, and getting him out of the way in the nicest way. He's obviously an absolute superstar, Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, move forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I also heard something today saying, oh, maybe the Jets should should uh, trade for him in the off-season and then, like, what would the price be? And there was talk of, like, two first-round picks. Like, what, for a 39-year-old quarterback who everybody seems to fucking hate? No, thank you. Yeah. Just to come in and, yeah, curse your team for a few years and set you back 10. Mental. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's the headlines that I've got. Anything you guys wanted to add on a headline basis? No, really, I think we covered it with uh, the Steve Weiss stuff. I just want to say how good Justin Fields looks. Um, really exciting. He started the season pretty poorly, but now he's looking every bit of the, the player the Bears wanted him to be, and it's, it's good to see. It looks really fun to watch. Okay, moving away from the headlines and into the review of last week's matchups. Um, first matchup uh, was me versus the Ballings duo. This one ended up as a bit of a whitewash, 168 to 100. Uh, the lowest the point score of the season. <laughs> Uh, by the by, the ballings, and I get the merchy bonus as well, which is which is an absolute delight because it puts me up to second place this season. Um, it was sort of just like just like an okay performance by my team, um, you know, below below the uh, the Franco Meridian or the Becky Mendoza line or, or whatever it's called, um, you know, supported by Damian Pierce continuing to be really good and Kyler Murray continuing to be fantasy good but real life bad. Um, so that's kind of like got my team through, gave me enough points to win against what was a genuinely dreadful performance by the Ballings guys. They had no double-digit points outside of the quarterback position. Uh, and with Josh Allen now injured, um, who knows exactly how their team's going to move forward. They've obviously put a bunch of guys on the block this week. Uh, Cole Komet, their second-highest scorer this week, unfortunately sat on the bench. Uh, what are you going to do, boys? Damn. <laughs> it's merch and some bonus if if you collect the most points do you get extra content from Jake at the end of the season extra bitching content from him yeah <laughs> yeah I'd, 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 I'd sort of pay for less content to be honest from Jake <laughs> uh, yeah do we do we need to explain the merch and bonus yeah I don't understand I, I, I've, I've tried to guesstimate that it's a certain score within something else yeah so yeah, when I was when when I was setting up this league, I was trying to make it a bit unique. So there's a few settings you can do. So things like chucking in the uh, individual defensive player, 
an extra tight end, which is universally hated by everyone. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing you can activate within Sleeper is you get a bonus win for being over the median score. Um, um, and so effectively, every week, four teams get a bonus win. Um, and, and the intent of it is that, you know, the best teams at the end of the season make the playoffs because some weeks you'll go up against an absolute juggernaut, but you'll put up a really point, good point score and therefore you get you get one win um, to kind of like soften the loss. Um, and Jake hates it, made it very clear early in the season that he, he didn't like it um, because I think he wasn't top after like a pretty convincing win. And so we've just dubbed it the Murchison bonus. I want to say we, I mean me. I'll take ownership. Of it. it's, now the, it's now the Murchie bonus, um, which, uh, you know, we've, we've trademarked it and everything. I really like the, uh, the reference to the, the score within, though. Kind of, sounds kind of spooky. The score within. <laughs> uh, Ed versus Kyle ended up 168 to 181. Franco, take us away. Uh, yeah, this matchup was definitely not won by the running backs. Uh, <laughs> none of the four starting running backs broke 10 points. The highest one scored 6.8. So uh, I don't know what you're doing there, lads, but he certainly weren't starting good running backs. Ed did have Kenyon Drake on his bench. He scored 28 points. And had he started Kenyon Drake, he would have won. Uh, he didn't. So uh, unlucky, Ed. Kyle won it with his quarterbacks, essentially. Mahomes and Tua put up 70 points. So um, well done. Unfortunately for Ed, he did have buy issues. So um, Dak and Vanilla Vic weren't around for him this week. So we had to start Stafford and Mariota, um, who only put up like 23 points. So I think that's probably where the game was won and lost for those two. Um, nice little first half display for uh, Kyle with Devon as well. Perhaps some nice numbers in the first half. Would have been nice to continue into the second half, but uh, wasn't to be. So uh, yeah, good win for Kyle. We'll just see about those. Uh, if there's any points variations moving forward, and Ed can sneak up those sort of uh, <laughs> few points he needs to get the win. <laughs> That would be nice. Uh, we haven't talked about Mahomes at all, really, on the podcast this season, you know, other than sort of like a little bit of chat at the start. Um, he's the number two quarterback by points on the season. And they, by all the metrics, are a more productive, more efficient offense since Tyreek left. It's not necessarily to say that they're they're less explosive or they're better, but they have been great. And that's because he remains amazing yeah. uh he is still in my mind the best quarterback in the league um because he can do absolutely everything and he's super super <laughs> consistent um and you know for Tyreek he's he's left um and the Chiefs haven't missed him but equally he has gone and made the Dolphins absolutely sensational um yes Tua has obviously been good as well and Waddle's played a massive part in it but he's on for 2,000 yards so far this season yeah. and he's barely got any touchdowns either Absolutely mad. Uh, must be quite nice for Mahomes. Like you say, Hill's taking a lot of the spotlight over to Miami with them and you've got Josh Allen doing bits over in Bo um, Buffalo as well. So Mahomes has kind of flown, flown under the radar a little bit, which must be quite nice considering he spent the last five years firmly in the spotlight of everyone. So um, he's performing at his absolute elite best and keep doing what he does best, which is shit to see because he's placed with the Chiefs. But um, yeah. yeah. And he's How finally... old for Mahomes? 26. 27 God, he's, he's really got young. a long time he's got a long time to go as well yeah yeah he's he's amazing and he's even managed to make Miko hardman look good this season which is a miracle <laughs> franco knows how much i hate Miko hardman i tell you who doesn't hate him val isn't he in val's team every year We're every year play. him and naeem hines man's got a man's got some serious obsessions hard on for hardman <laughs> 
All right, moving on. Next matchup, uh, the aforementioned Steve fucking White and uh, his matchup against you, Franco. 250 <laughs> to 148. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, for the second week in a row, I well, Steve convincingly beat me by over 100 points and Jake did the same last week. So I'm on a, a real miserable slide at the moment. But let credit to Steve. Obviously, his team did absolutely fantastically this week. Um, there's literally nothing I could have done. Um, Interestingly, Steve's score could have been even better because he didn't really have much production out of Josh Jacobs, um, Herbert and Metcalf, who could have all had a game as well, um, which would have made his score possibly post-300. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I, there's not a lot to say on my team. It's, I'm sliding in an opposite direction. My my nice average score of 179 is plummeted the last two weeks and Mr. Limited is now looking <laughs> Mr. I don't know, disgusting at this point. Um, I'm slipping slide. And back on the slipper side quickly. I'm heading into the cellar <laughs> with a fucking boardings, boys. Uh, my, my record's pretty good. My team, my nucleus is not performing as well at the moment. And I'm, I'm worried my season's only going in one direction. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, still uh, got Don Jackson. There is one thing to mention, mate, and that is the fact that Robert Woods, Bobby Trees <laughs> himself, got you a nice little bagel this week. <laughs> Donut alert. Yeah, that was on yeah. my list of things to speak about. Uh, <laughs> what was did get me a bagel? <laughs> I, I've 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 heard there's uh, leagues where any bagel gets you some sort of fine, like leagues where you have to shotgun a beer live on Instagram <laughs> and stuff like that. So maybe that's a little wrinkle we'll introduce next season. Yeah. I think I'd really like that. I really like looking at the bagels. Uh, unfortunately, I only do it when I'm on the pod because I don't really look at scores that closely. But when I'm on there, uh, if, if anything I'm talking on has got a bagel, then I'm lucky. Uh, just unlucky for me this week because I was the only one with one by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's quite hard actually in an eight, eight man league to get a bagel, but you you, you did well, mate. You mm. found one. Critics wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, not much more to say other than IDP continues to be the superstar of my team every week. Regardless of who I start, <laughs> you just keep stacking them up until yeah. next season when I take them away. Mm, yeah, maybe I'll take some tight ends next year. <laughs> uh, last matchup then was Valen versus Jake. Uh, Valen pulls out a little bit of a surprise win here 161 versus uh, 153. It was projected to be a Jake win. Um, Jake would have won if he'd selected his best lineup and Valen selected his. Um, so, you know, Jake really blew it. Uh, he was a little thinner than than we thought with with JT and Andrews out and players on a bye. Um, Valen performed pretty solidly, but didn't get the Murchie B, um, so only gets the one win. Um, he got good returns from his his running back core, which we've mentioned copiously in the last pod. The the envy dripping off the Ballins boys uh, about Val- Valen's um, running back lineup was was pretty uh, disgusting to see. Um, uh, and he just didn't really, he didn't have any let, letdowns in his team. So there's no bagels, uh, always good. Um, didn't have any really kind of just crappy scores. Um, Jake could have won uh, if he'd picked Jeff Wilson over Alexander Madison. Um, so really, you just got a point to poor coaching. Um, yeah, bad, bad lineup discipline. Nothing more to it than that, really. Nothing more. Nothing more. Did Ballins ever get that trade with Val? There was a lot of chat about a trade at 7am. Mate, Val stressed. trying to do things in the dark of the night. It doesn't sound like Val doing things in the dark of night. They're still, they're still talking about it. There's a lot, of, a lot of chat on the WhatsApp group about Fab being exchanged and, and all kinds of things, but no trades going down. 
All right, so that's this week's matchups. Uh, we will move on and we will look ahead to next week's matchups. Uh, this week, I have Kyle um, currently projected to be 199 to me to 209 to Kyle. It's a really close matchup and there's really good matchup opportunities for, for both sides. I was sort of looking down at it earlier going, this could be another big scoring week for our guys. Um, I think some of the things, well, one of the things that could really swing it for me is I've got no Joe Burrow. He's on a buy and I've got to move Geno Smith in and Geno has been a really good, you know, real life quarterback. Um, but some games he, he can be kind of a bit of a dud from a fantasy perspective. His, um, his average yards per attempt this week was really low. He, he made the, he made the throws he needed to make uh, to win the game. He was really efficient, but I'm not sure he's he's going to be a fantasy star, so that could be the thing that, that swings that matchup, and I think Kyle's probably the favourite going in. Uh, he says, trying to jinx the fuck out of it. Uh, next matchup. You want uh, Mika, next Mika Parsons for the week, Spike? You can have Mika for the week, that normally does the job of Kyle. Just any scoring adjustment. If I need to do it manually, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Stick it. Um, next matchup then is, uh, is Ed versus the Ballings duo. Uh, projected to be 211 to 189, Franco? Yeah, um, this one looks pretty favourable in Ed's direction at the moment. He's got some nice matchups across the board there. Um, he's got his quarterbacks, Dak and Vanilla, back, which he'll be happy about. So that'll put up some nice scores for him. Uh, concerns on the ball inside. Obviously, Allen's but questionable at the moment after his injury last week. Um, if he does drop, I think that leaves him with Brady and Case Keenan um, at quarterback, which isn't great for them. Uh, they're probably going to be looking at a big Taysom Hill day to bail them out on this one. Um, I can't quite remember what the uh, the story was last week that they gave you when they were playing you spike about who was Bristol City and Bristol Rovers. Um, but I do get the distinct feeling that their season is very much like a Bristol City season and the fact they started strong. They were given an awful lot of shit and trash talk about how well they were doing. And now they're fucking plummeting and stinking the place out rotten. So, um, yeah, well done, lads. Uh, and all the players are up for sale. All up for sale, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always a space for you down at the Ben Chris, you know that. Um, so yeah, I think Ed probably gets this one. Dorlins haven't got a lot of favorable matchups. Um, and Ed will be looking to push on from his nine and nine. His team seems to be turning a bit of a corner again. Um, and his, his matchups are just stronger across the board here. So I yeah. can only see this one going one way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Steve versus Jake. Um, the you know, former front runner of the league versus the new front runner of the league. Steve projected again to win this one, two seventeen to two oh seven. Uh, Jake's got Lamar and Mark Andrews on a bye, so he's now relying on Jake Brisket and Will Disley. Uh, that is a tough, tough look. Um, Steve has to plug in someone to replace Mixon, but his lineup uh, at running back in particular is really, really strong. He needs good performance from his running backs every week, though, because his wide receivers, uh, Drake London and Josh Palmer, are pretty desperate. Um, and so he's going to need those running backs to keep performing the way they they have been. But frankly, for the last four weeks, they've been absolutely knocking it out of the park. So there's no reason to suspect that they will stop now. Um, you know, this this is a this is a key matchup this week because if Steve wins again, he really puts himself back in the playoff picture. Uh, last matchup then, yourself versus Valen. A good old rumbler head-to-head. Yeah, uh, two things jumped out at me when I looked at this one. 
first and foremost, Val starting Mr. Unlimited, which uh, <laughs> fuck knows why. And you've just covered it. Why has Val got so many fucking running backs? It's, it's unbelievable. He goes through his lineup and it's all running backs. And then you get to his bench and there's just fucking like four or five more of them. Um, yeah, so no surprise. Val's favoured to win this one uh, because he's got McCaffrey, Barkley, Eckler, Jamal Williams and every other running back in the league. Uh, so well done, Valen. I don't know how we've let this happen, how he's ended up with so many running backs. Um, and I get the horrible feeling he's just going to hold on to them all now because he knows he's got them all and just hold the handcuff on us. So, hey-ho, maybe we can give him some fab and they'll offload him. He might consider uh, trading one of them for a serviceable tight end because he hasn't got any. So, Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I can offer him Hayden Hurst. <laughs> and, uh, and some fab. <laughs> Three fab oh, and Hayden Hurst. Three fab. For Saquon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, on the opposite side of Val's 36 running backs, I've got uh, Dalvin and Don, uh, who uh, will put up a, a positive six points for me, I'm sure. Um, my IDP player will put up 30 points, so don't worry about that. Uh, Val's team looks very good on paper, and I suspect he'll probably win. But as we all know, Val's team might look good on paper, but it rarely performs. So uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. So that's we done last week. We've done next week, which means we're moving on to our week nine feature, our special guest, uh, who said very little so far in this podcast, uh, having uh, admitted that he's only really watched one NFL game so far this season. And that was probably for a drunken haze in which North London stadium did we go to again, guys? <laughs> Wembley! Wembley! What a China. Uh, he's not listening, is he? I don't know. Well, he's a massive NFL nerd. He probably listens to this as, uh, along with the other one UK NFL podcast. <laughs> right. Pike, I had, uh, as I said at the start, an absolute shed load of questions for you. Um, so I'll do the questions first, mate. And then I think we've got a little feature uh, that we've combined uh, our, our rankings come up of our top six uh, ever Jacksonville Jaguars. So starting off on that theme, um, when did you start following the NFL? I looked back and I based it on Madden covers, probably trying to gauge what was the first Madden cover that I saw. And I think it was the 2004 Vic cover. Um I think that was where it started. You know, I played rugby, started playing rugby with Ed, Kyle, Sean and Steve in 2003. And then then you start hanging out, playing PlayStation and, and that's where Madden kicked in. So, yeah, I started following it from there and then had a good, I think I had a good run with it until about 17, 18. And, 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 then, I, and then I drank beer and met some girls. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all. You can't go hand in hand. <laughs> um, so why the Jags then so I can't remember who I first started supporting when I started doing it because obviously it's a little bit like how people become like Man United fans like your mates are United fan because they followed football so you'd end up watching them as well um, and I started off being I think a Panthers fan because of Steve Smith I really liked Steve Smith at the time so I was kind of following the Panthers and then I can't remember why. I think it was just I picked up a Madden game and I started playing with with the Jags. The boys will know that there was a period of time when I was a Bolton fan because I loved playing with JJ Acocha on FIFA. <laughs> um, and I think it was pretty much the same thing. I, I found Byron Lefwich in uh, on Jags and the kit. I just start. I was just like, 
nobody else supports the Jags, so I'll support the Jags. Um, and then I was really fortunate then. And then Maurice came along about two seasons after I started supporting them. So that was good times. Yeah, I was, I was chatting to Ed last night and he said, ask Pike if he's still got his Byron Leftwich jersey. Do you know what, actually? I did. I, 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 forgive me my sins. Uh, I, I sold that. I can't remember what for, um, where I was, what I was doing, where I was going, but it sat in the back of a wardrobe for years, years and years. Um, and all I've got now is my top of the rock for net jersey, which Franco will remember very vividly from a ski holiday. I do remember. And Pike, you were just talking about um, you playing Madness, which reminded me of one of my absolute favourite memories of you playing Madden, because I think I don't think you've been playing it long. And um, you picked a play which was a screenplay, and you were dropping back with the quarterback, and obviously <laughs> the, the offensive line just took off on the screen, and you were being absolutely harassed, and you just kept in the same play, and you were just screaming at the TV, where's my offensive line? Why is no one blocking it? And you just kept running the same screenplay, and it was fucking brilliant to see. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And then we saw, we saw a full-on screenplay come to success at Wembley. <laughs> That's how you do it, mate. Yeah, that was it. I saw how it should have been done. They were, they were mocking me. <laughs> um, so when and when and why did you start listening to uh, this mm. podcast? Well, it's the greatest podcast of all time, isn't it? <laughs> well, we think so, but it's a living yeah, audience. Yeah. You know, you know, you know me, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, just really glad to be about. Uh, I, I reckon me, Lamb and Franco were doing some, you know, some chin ups in Lamb's garage and they mentioned it coming on. I was like, well, I'll give that a listen because I thought I'd boost the listenership to maybe one. Um, rather than you just talk into the wall, if I'm honest, Spike. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, and then I listened to I listened to the beginning of the Baker episode, uh, and then I went off for a little bit, and then yeah, then just started just started binging it. Hey, so, so Baker killed it for you. Uh, <laughs> you were a listener, and then Baker came on. <laughs> well, it sounds and like you've listened to more episodes yeah. than Ed, so. Well, Alan doesn't listen, obviously, because he's never improved his lineup, has he? I thought that was the rule. That's right. Yeah. So he is a keen listener. Uh, so who's been your favourite guest so far? Excluding um, Franco, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, not the current members of the podcast that I'm with. Um, there's been some real good contributions. I've actually really, I think the content people have brought, the research people have brought has been really, really good. But I think the the best person for level of content, banter, um, genuinely being really hilarious was Steve. I thought his show was fantastic. Yeah, that special episode mm. that we dropped on Patreon was really good. Yeah. 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 Really, really good. And guys, if you're not on it, like, subscribe, get on Patreon. Yeah. Hit us, hit us up with the five stars, buy the merch, um, follow us on YouTube uh, and Grinder as well. Um, so, yeah, only based, on your, based on your extensive knowledge of the league, uh, who do you think is going to make the playoffs? So when you were talking about it today, you know, have you seen those graphs where they do it for like the Premier League and leagues where the teams like start in their position and then they drop down and come back up? I feel like that's this fantasy league. Like you would have followed somebody who was starting at the bottom like Steve. And then I feel like he's jumped the league like 10 places. Um I wrote, I, honestly, I wrote down a few people that I thought were potentially going to be in the playoffs. And then I listened to 
the last two podcasts back to back over the last couple of days and everyone I thought was going to be in there I think is completely written off now um, <laughs> so I'll go with what I wrote at the time Jake was top of the rock and the, that was pretty much there we had Franco with Mr Consistent it is 180 you know Mr 180 loves his darts he proved it on the stag do as well he does bloody love his darts um, I think from the content they were bringing and I'll probably stick to it two brains are better than one um, that Ballins might stand a really strong chance. And then, I mean, it's got to be the host with the most. I think there's got, there's got that you, you can't just start a podcast without the content. So you got to be going to the play or something. A really significant assumption there that Rawlins and Baker at this point have two brains. Or is it a bit like cat dog? <laughs> Was that the TV show that was on Cartwood Network? Was that the one? It was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, so conti- continuing the theme of uh, of your deep knowledge of fantasy, um, if you entered the league next season, do you think you'd be better than Valen? 100%. Definitely. Um, I, I think I'd solely be picking on, on um, how, like I picked the Jazz, do I like the jersey? Uh, and what's the name like? You know, love already, already there. Um, he's in. Uh, I would probably stick to the same principles of just researching who's on TikTok. Um, I don't even have TikTok, but I'd probably pick it up just for fantasy. Um, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, anyone who's got the name of somebody I would have known from what? When was it I stopped watching? Uh, probably watching about six, seven years ago. So if any of those guys are still playing. Matt Ryan, Rogers, Brady, they're all well, in. You're gonna. It sounds like a team that'll be Valen. Rogers, yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these, these are the people who you've you've literally described week in week out as. If don't correct me if I'm wrong, dead. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, dead. but genuinely, yeah. I think like uh, the comment. What was it? Was it last week or the week before? Where it was like, if Valen did an auto draft, it would probably be better. So even with my limited knowledge, I'm assuming that I'd have a better draft than the doctor himself. To be, to be fair to him, I'm, I'm going to give him this juice. He's too busy saving lives. So, you know. I mean, he's a university nice lecturer now, mate. Eh? <laughs> well, is he, is he lecturing or is he just shaping the minds of the youth? Well, I mean, that's a deep question deep. that I can't yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically what we're saying is, is, is auto-draft and your TikTok draft better than Valen's heavily thought through draft yeah i think we'd all agree with that even val yeah of course you'd have to say some time to think about how he'd respond eventually <laughs> come to that conclusion he'll come back to you in week 14 um with kyle what's, so. <laughs> what's your number one suggestion for improving this pod uh content's quality what I want to hear more of is the classic American, like, <laughs> like zingers, jingles, the noises between, you know, when you talk about balance curse, where's the, where's the jingle talking about the Jake bonus, the boing, stuff like that. That's why I, I want more wacky sound effects. All right. We need to invest in a soundboard then. <laughs> well, when you get the, when you get the payment in from that first month of Patreon, that's where it goes. Yeah, I need to get that Spotify money as well. 
<laughs> yeah, who's, where's, I know you've not got Dawson in on this, but there's a mat. If there's a man you want to market, ooh, there's a man you know. We said at the start of the season we were going to do merch, uh, but we actually wanted someone who was good at doing merch and and not Dawson. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think if we asked him to do the marketing, he might be a little a little bitter about not being invited to the league, only on the basis that he mentions it to me every time I speak to him. <laughs> the man's still upset. Maybe, um, maybe that's the way. Maybe we say if you do a good job with the merchandising, you can get in. If you do a shit job, we all end up with Fruit of the Loom t-shirts again, and you can fuck off. Trowbridge <laughs> boys with a Z. I had a lot of very random questions for you, uh, Pike, and and most of them I'm I'm not going to ask, but I do have to ask: Who was the best dressed person at Bum's wedding? Bum, without with it goes without saying, the man himself looked devilishly handsome. I uh, thought he really he really showed up well. Um, there were some strong contenders. Uh, unfortunately, I dropped to the bottom of the rankings with my Steve Jobs outfit. Um, I forgot that Halloween was the week after, so I apologise. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, to nail in the coffin for Dawson. I think I'm gonna have to hand over the title of the Pink Prince to to Rawlins because that suit was baller. Looked like he was rocking up off the private jet. He just needed like a briefcase or something along, or a Louis V bag hanging off his arm. Because <laughs> that that man was looking baller. I thought yeah, he it... just walked out for the uh, FA Cup final in 1996 uh, for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> when I walked into the church, I thought the shirt was black. And it was only when we got to the reception that I realised that it was a sort of woodland green. And I was like, okay, fair play. This, this boy yeah, has really a... gone for it. He's either gone through or he's got dressed in the dark, one or the other. (laughs) He looks sick. Fair play, Chris. You look very nice, mate. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, you know, Pike, at this point, I think we should uh, open the floor to you. Have you got any questions, you know, a pre-positioned statement, um, you know, anything you want to say to the league members? Um, uh, I'll go with the question because it came up in the in the review. What the hell is all? Is there an individual rumbler? Are there many rumblers? Let's get ready to rumble. Right. Well, there there is only one rumbler, but then there are what we call rumbler acolytes. Uh, the rumbler is Derek Henry, uh, the man, yeah. the myth, the legend, the greatest running back probably the league has ever seen. Um, and then the rumbler acolytes are myself, Franco. Um, the man uh, that some people call Steve and uh, and the aforementioned uh, Dr. Josh. So, um, you know, we will follow him wherever he goes. Um, uh, and and uh, there's obviously a long story behind why that why this is the case. Uh, and uh, we, we heard a little bit of that on last week's podcast. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that that's kind of yeah, touchy, who he, who he is. Subject. It seemed that's to be, didn't it? Odd. Yeah, yeah, that that's going to be it. What are you going to do? A breakaway pod of the breakaway pod, just the rumblers, <laughs> four man league. <laughs> well, you make it a five man, and I can come in with my uh, with my random selections. That was a, there was a period where I was knocking on the door really hard to try and get into the original League of Legends, and the door was very firmly slammed shut in my face with the classic line of "We'd need to get one other person. It doesn't work with odd numbers." Um, and do I rue that day bearing in mind that I cooked in a sweater I don't know if I've had time to check my league if I even had a chance 
but it would be great to have a a reason to get back involved. I I do miss watching NFL after seeing the highlights of the Jags storming it against some boys in black and silver. Well, next season when we add Clarence or White Draft team, you can join then. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just keep track. You can just put my name to it, and I'll keep. I'll just keep watching. No, I won't touch it. No, no touches for me. Uh, Heard that before, Pike. (laughs) (laughs) Was that one of the questions? Moving on to the second part of this week's special feature. Uh, We have talked about it. We are going to break down the top six all-time Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I sort of mentioned it at the top about the Jags not being uh, a particularly good team. Uh, My own kind of like personal feelings about the Jags is like, I went to those Wembley games uh, year in, year out. I went to all of them for about five years running. Um, So I spent quite a lot of money watching the Jags. Uh, and watching the Jags be organizationally fucking terrible. Um, and, and so at some point, I really turned on them. Um, and, I, and, and I don't know why, um, but uh, I, I like this season's incarnation of the team. I like Trev. Uh, I think Doug, Doug Peterson's a good coach. Uh, Ed Etienne uh, is a great player. So I'm hoping that they've kind of turned the corner and actually become a, a functional franchise. But um, I think it's fair to say that uh, my my viewing of the Jags definitely influenced my uh my selection of the top six Jags, as we will get to. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna let's do it in reverse order. Say it's, re- it's retro, right? It, yeah, it's you know it's it's rogue. <laughs> um, so we're gonna go six to one. I think I'm gonna go first, so I'll take the six spot, the three spot. Franco, you're gonna take the five spot and the two spot, and then as our guest, as our uh, our Jags expert. Um, you're going to get the, the number four spot and the number one spot, which I think is only right. Um, so starting off, the number six Jag in history, in my experience, uh, Jackson DeVille, um, the league's greatest mascot, uh, a bungee jumping, zip wiring hero, uh, you know, a man who will jump off the top of Wembley or uh, or the Tottenham Stadium, no matter what. Um, he's been in all, all elite wrestling, um, and uh, he has at various points been banned from games, uh, put in prisons for games and broken out. Uh, he's had um, Hall of Fame coaches like Bill Polian call him out as being an unnecessary influence in the game. And I think, you know, when you're the Jags and you've not had a lot of playmakers, you've got to look at Jackson DeVille and say, yeah, that is one of the greatest uh, incarnations of our franchise. Uh, number five, Franco, I think you're next, mate. You uh, you selected Marcus Stroud. Yeah, rolling in at number five, Marcus Stroud. Six, six and 310 pounds. Shout out to the tailor for providing the stats on that one. Um, Marcus Stroud and his formidable front with John Henderson. Uh, I always remember it was more John Henderson, but the famous quote is that we're like a pack of wolves and we ain't eight in a while. And uh, that was how those two played together. They were seriously um, good front for the Jags for a number of seasons. Um, we were talking of retro Madden moments earlier, and I always remember Marcus Stroud on Madden um, that year when they had all like the symbols to signify what everybody did. And Marcus Stroud had the ball uh, as if he had this sweet ball rush and he would power through that offensive line. So, uh, yeah, Marcus Stroud was a great player for the Jags for a number of years he played six seasons there and made three pro bowls uh before we're having a bit of a journey uh through some other teams but yeah good jag yeah definitely like he, he, he 
you know, when I was doing the research on this, um, he definitely appeared in a lot of people's top lists, um, uh, you know, and clearly a really impactful player in those in those early Jag seasons. Uh, moving That's on, number four, uh, the aforementioned uh, jersey, Byron Leftwich, I believe, uh, was your selection, Pike. Yeah, 100%. He was the man, the myth, the legend that started it for me. And I was, again, same thing, just going back and look at the stats, it was he was a bit of Mr. Consistent, really, over the few years that I'm looking over his his stats. Just enjoyed watching him. Like, it was a little bit unconventional when you had people like Vic in the league at the time that were running absolutely wild to have somebody that almost looked like they could be a bit of a runner, but just to sit in the pocket, make passes. He had a good, he had Reggie Williams around him and, and threw him ball. He had, you know, he had good people around him, but yeah, I, I thought he he was the he was the heart for me when I started watching. So yeah, he's always going to have a, a a big place. And yeah, I was I was he was proud to wear that jersey for a while. Yeah, no, he's a a really good quarterback. I think you know with with Jags you could have you could have had David Garrard, couldn't you, as as, as your choice of quarterback. Um, but yeah, Leftwich was was a good fun player, and, and obviously has become a really good coach in in uh, in his retirement as well. I think looking back on the stats that you had for Garrard, you'd say he was probably actually a better quarterback. Like just looking over the years that he he stepped up a bit more. But I think in terms of like icons for me. Leftwich was just an icon of the Jags franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Mark Brunel as well, obviously a guy who um, took the Jags to some real success, but was probably a little bit underrated and, and, and probably not the most exciting quarterback to watch as well. So, uh, right. Yeah. Moving on then. So number three, I had Tony Bozzelli. Um, He was the first ever Jag. Uh, being selected as he was number two in the 1995 draft. Uh, one of the best tackles uh, ever to play on this rock we live on. Uh, a really, really solid performer uh, for for, the, for them. Uh, five Pro Bowls, three as a first-team Pro Bowler, and, uh, and clearly a Jags legend uh, that that people don't really care about. And he's the first Jag in the uh, in the Hall of Fame as well. So clearly somebody that is is really well thought of by Jags fans. But being as he was a tackle, um, not the most kind of exciting player. Not somebody that we all remember being fantasy fans uh, as we are. But I think somebody that that really deserved to call out as being one of the greatest Jags of all time. Uh, Franco, number two, you got Fred Taylor. Yeah, it's one thing you can say is the uh, the Jags seem to have good running backs. Um, Fred Taylor, one of a line of fantastic running backs. Um, so yeah, Fred Taylor, shout out to the uh, the original Taylor, first of all, for these metrics. 6'1", 228 pounds, just what you want. And Fred Taylor was absolutely rapid. He ran a 4.29 in his 40 at the Combine. Um, he came out of Florida. He was an original Gator. And again, another Madden throwback. Fred had the wings on the the base of his Madden player and you knew he was seriously fast. So um yeah, you if you broke the line on Madden with Fred, uh you were going to the house effectively. So he was a great, great player for the Jags. He played there for a number of seasons. Um unfortunately he was slightly hampered with injuries um and began to get a bit of a name for himself. 
um, at the Jazz because of his injuries. He rarely played a full season. Um, I did read one story earlier which really cracked me up, and this was in 2001. Um, apparently, Fred Taylor suffered a pretty serious injury in week three, and his season was effectively done. Um, but the Jags coach at the time, Tom Coughlin, uh, listed him as questionable for every single game for the rest of the season, despite knowing he was home. <laughs> Why, I don't know, but uh, it seemed like a great one from Tom Coughlin. So, uh, um, yeah, Fred Taylor at number two, a great running back. Yeah, I think. 4.6 yards per carry for his for his career. I think most um most Jags like research that I did, like most Jags fans rate him as their their number one player. Um yeah. but you know, he he was I think he was a good running back in a in an era of absolutely elite running backs, you know, like he was playing at the same time as LT, Tiki Barber, Edgerin James. There were some uh, like just insanely good running backs then and, and he doesn't yeah really stand out so it sort of surprised me looking at this looking at how Jags fans feel about it because to me the not the obvious number one um and maybe is a bit of a Johnny come lately to uh you know to, to the fantasy era um is the guy that that Pike's going to go on and talk about and a guy that we consensusly said between the three of us has to be the number one Jag and that is big old MJD what a man what a man to see him at Tottenham Stadium as well felt felt right and felt right to select him for this. We'll go back to the Taylor, 5'7, 95 kilos. Sounds a bit like Ed Lamb himself, actually, doesn't it? I can't be far off. Yeah, um, you know, different, <laughs> different maybe muscle mass, but you know. <laughs> well, you do a MJD drop back like a wuss. I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at the stats now, and you're looking at his his rookie year. He averaged 5.7 yards, and what what's the what's the median line you look at? What's it like four? The Vicky Mendoza diagonal. Well, yeah, that the, one. four is the line that most people look at as being like, yeah, okay, if you're over four yards per carry for your career, you're you're a pretty decent running back. So, yeah, four. I mean, every season. Yeah, every season. Okay. Yeah. Every season apart from his last season at Jacksonville, he was four plus. First season, five seven. You know, I'd say prime time for me was 2010. That was probably a, as I was fading out. He was four four, 2011, 4.7. He was quite like for me, I think he, from a subjective point of view, rather than looking at stats, I think he brought in fans. Like he, he was a name that people wanted on their Jersey. I think he was selling shirts and that kind of replicates now in he's the man that's crossed the pond. He's the, he's like, you know, the face of, you know, NFL coming over this way in some ways. Um, But yeah, in terms of what I remember him on Madden, you know, you used to just select him and just bust gaps go for men like a, he was a little terrier just hitting gaps and just absolutely balling so yeah it was a I really enjoyed watching him and, and for me yeah he would always be my personal number one at the time when I was watching and I can't you know hopefully Etienne can do something similar he's a little little stature much much more slight but after hearing what you guys have been talking about with his stats it's you know potentially he can be a franchise man yeah, he's, he's sort of had a shortish, shortish career compared to some running backs, uh, which is a little bit of a shame. But that 2009 to 2011 period, he was an, an absolute star, um, both uh, on a kind of real life football, but on a fantasy level as well. Like he was just like one of the guys you wanted to take in the top three when I started playing fantasy in in, in 2011. Um, he had a 1600 yard season in there, 1600 yards rushing, average 
four and a half yards per carry for his career. And I think unlike Fred Taylor, um, who I think was slightly below the superstar players of his era, you would say that MJD compared just as well to like Jamal Charles, Deshaun McCoy, Adrian Peterson. He was in that class with them. Um, so for me, you know, maybe that 2010 season, he was he was the best running back in the league. Um, I think he got it. He's kind of like considered to be the bowling ball, isn't he? Because he's just like short, wide, you know, and and just absolutely clattered through uh, the first and second level. So great player to watch. Uh, a lot of fun and kind of made the Jags like a really fun team for a period of time. Just just the same. A shame it was so short, but maybe yeah. he was the kind of precursor to running backs are basically toast at 28, which is which is what we kind of consider them to be now. I think we all had quite a lot of honourable mentions in there as well. And I look back at my time watching Mercedes Lewis was somebody I thought as a tight end, I was always like, yeah, when I was when I were playing with it or with the Jags, he was my go-to boy um, as well. And the, like you said, actually, I remember actually quite enjoying going on D when you had Stroud and Henderson on NFL on Madden. They were they were your, they were your boys you wanted to play with. Yeah, absolutely. Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis should go when you're running that tight end screen, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was my boy. I was looking at the stats. It was really funny. You're watching Garrard stats, and like Mercedes Lewis was getting like eight, ten, fifteen touchdowns in a season, and then they went to the rookie. What was his name? Like Gabbit or something like that. Mercedes Lewis Wait. went from he went, he went from ten ten touchdowns in a season to zero touchdowns in a season. There was no wonder he didn't stay at the Jags much longer after that. Uh, I mean, Mercedes Lewis is still playing. It's, it's mental. Just insane. insane, isn't it? He's, the, he's, he's on the Packers. Now? He's on the Packers, man. Yeah. Oh, he's not got any ball there then, is he? Just <laughs> heading to Sleeper to pick up a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the think... sort of man that I would be selecting and still beat Val. <laughs> I think we all had quite different top sixes as well. Like when Franco sent yours for him and his for him, I was like, Oh, it's, we we really can't build a consensus. This because I had like yeah. I had like Jay Smooth, um, who I think I, I then wanted to eliminate just on the basis that he had some pretty bad legal issues. But um, again, he's another one that sort of pops up, and and he had like five Pro Bowl appearances. Um, so yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it, it's not an easy franchise to pick your obvious kind of like top five or six players from, is it? So. Um, hopefully more no. success is ahead. Um, and, and I think the organization really needs to, some stability and hopefully um, Peterson, 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 I don't know, whatever his name is, Doug Peterson could be there for quite a few years and can help coach up Trevor Lawrence, who uh, is starting to look, a, a, you know, like a, like a franchise quarterback at times. Agreed. Yeah. I, I could buy back into that. Cool. Right. Well, good Jags chat. Uh, on to the final section of this week's pod. Uh, regular feature questions for our guests. And we've obviously done questions for you, uh, Pike. We now got questions for Franco. Uh, Franco, as you can imagine, a lot of yours are Raiders related. So question number one, does it bother you that the Raiders have moved so much over the years? And does Vegas lessen the appeal of the Raiders? Uh, so yes, it does bother me. 
Um, I would prefer, prefer to see the Raiders in Oakland. Um, that's where I first started supporting them. Uh, wasn't obviously around when they were in LA, although that would have been kind of cool. Um, but I'm not fully on board with the whole Vegas thing at the moment. It's um, It just doesn't feel very Raidery. It's very corporate. They've got this billion pound stadium, which is absolutely incredible. And I'm sure the fan experience is nice. Um, but from my point of view, and I'll touch on it uh, another time, I'm sure, but like the Raiders thrive best when they're the underdogs when people don't expect them to perform. Um, now that they're in Vegas, people are going to see them every weekend um, off the strip and they want to see a performance and basically they, they can't put that up because the team's not good enough the management's not right so um, yeah I'd rather they were in Oakland I think it's more of an appeal for me having yeah. said that I've never tried to go to Oakland and watch a game I'm not sure how easy that would have been um, but it would have been an experience anyway so yeah it's a shame uh, being a, a man of such steadiness a real kind of like level baseline does it bother you uh, and, and, and at what point does this franchise become unsupportable given their volatility? Uh, so unless obviously the franchise is eliminated from the league, uh, I probably would always <laughs> support them. I don't, I'm pretty loyal. Uh, as you know, I'm also a Bristol Rovers fan, which also doesn't come easily. So uh, I've selected two pretty volatile teams to follow, uh, which sucks a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I've seen the Raiders through ups and downs, mostly downs. Um, I've only seen two playoff appearances since I've been following them. Um, yeah, they I think they need to get rid of Mark Davis essentially. I think that guy is uh, a bit of a, a cancer in that organization as much as his father did for them. I think they need to go in a new direction. Um, and that can happen with him and the helm, as we mentioned earlier. I think he meddles a bit too much. Just talk about him kind of Josh McDaniels in his office after every loss. It's like you don't need that as a coach. He knows the pressure he's under. Um, you don't need the owner willing you after every loss uh, essentially um yeah. I, I mentioned it already i think they thrive best when they're not expected you look at last year's adversities with um john gruden scandal being sacked very early in the season henry ruggs killing somebody and then being chucked out of the nfl and then we had a cornerback uh on net with a gun video so our first round picks last year were all gone um and yeah and then we had a special teams coach take over and head coach and we made the playoffs uh, yeah. No one expects us to do it. It was a great year. So, um, yeah, more years when we're not expected, when we've got shitty teams <laughs> and we make the playoffs, please. Well, given that you've only seen a couple of playoff appearances, uh, question from Valen. Uh, how many years of your life would you give up for a Raiders Super Bowl victory? Absolutely not. I don't want to see a Super Bowl. I just want to see a steady, maybe an 8-8-1 eight, eight season. Nice and steady. <laughs> No ups and downs, just know where we're at with the Raiders. Nothing too crazy. Uh, I'll be happy with that. You know, you know me, you know what I like. You know what you need there, mate? You need Jeff Fisher, Kirk Cousins. That's what we need. Those, they're the 500 men. That's what I like. Get them in. Yeah, absolutely. No, but yeah, honestly, I, I wouldn't give up anything. I'm, I think uh, I always used to have this running thing in my head that like what would happen first, a Raiders Super Bowl uh, or Rovers go to the championship. Um, and the Raiders Super Bowl always looked way more probable. Um, but uh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> but they seem a, a million miles away from it, to be perfectly honest. I'm not saying Rovers are going to get in the championship, but I do think it's probably closer these days. So. Uh, yeah, Super Bowl, as a Raiders fan, I'm not too worried about it because I just can't see it happening. Well, you mentioned championships, mate. So pivoting away to your fantasy expertise, uh, which is obviously extensive as a uh, two-time uh, League of Legends champion. Um, how much of it is skill versus luck? Uh, this is a really good question. I think it's something that's spoken about quite a lot. But my personal opinion is that I would say it's 70% luck versus 30% skill. Um 
there's so many things at play um, that you can't really contend with. A lot of it during the season, once it's like this quickest finger, you can't be scrolling through NFL news 24-7 and some of breaks to get on there and get that player. So it is quickest finger a lot of the time, being subscribed to the right news feeds to find that information and get on there, um, which only so many people are going to do. Um, but even with that considered, luck is still massive. We've, I'm not saying Steve's been lucky, um, but Steve's hit on a few players recently. Like you look at fields through the first couple of weeks, you think well, this guy's a dud. Um, Ken Walker really wasn't getting many looks. Mixon still isn't a great player. Um, and yet Steve's just rattled off 180 points on four players. So um, I'm not saying it's luck, Steve. You're obviously a fantastic player, but um, yeah, he maybe had a slightly lucky week. Uh, so yeah, I think it is more luck, but I do think there is elements of skill in there as well. You can't just, but we'll see next yeah. year, won't we, with the auto draft last team. But. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I'm sure you can guess who that question came from, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, some quick hitters then, mate. Yeah. What position will Ziggy play when he eventually makes <laughs> the NFL? <laughs> uh, okay, um, so I've done a defensive and an offensive player. So I think uh, in the in the model of Marcus Stroud on defense, he'd definitely be a nose tackle. Uh, yeah, relentless 100%. in the trenches. Uh, 100% tackle a few times, and it's, it's nothing stopping him. His motor just keeps going and going. So, definitely nose tackle on defense. Offense was a bit trickier. And at the moment, I've got him down as a tight end. Uh, once again, he's a big lad, he's strong, powerful. He's going to knock people over. But also, he's got the hands. We play catcher a few times. He's beginning to move, move around. He has got some wheels. Um, not quite the Fred Taylor wings, but yeah, I think tight end at the moment is probably a, probably a good fit for him. The, what was the, the name question. of that fullback from Tampa Bay that was on? Uh, NFL Street or whatever it was. Oh. Do you remember who is that? That's who I think Ziggy would be. <laughs> Big right. rumbler. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, the, the, we, I didn't want to lead the lead the uh, lead the answer, but the questioner who raised this one was like, because I think he'll be a defensive tackle. So, <laughs> um, right. What's your favourite orange juice brand? Like Alsot is the player. Uh, <laughs> uh, my. So yeah, I, yes. I found it the other day when, um, when Kyle was warming the shit out of me with the orange juice over Bum's wedding weekend and I went into the local garage and there was an orange juice for the brand Jack's, which I thought was a massive Kyle worm and it was fantastic. So that's my favourite band. Um, but Jack's is probably a little bit shitty, so premium would be Tropicana. Nice. Yeah, I mean, just classic, isn't it? You're not a Sunny yeah. Delight guy. Not a Sunny D fan, no. <laughs> if I was Sunny D, it's, it's going to be the Cali version, not the Florida version. All right. Um, question from Baker. Uh, given your commitments in the uh, the previous banter index, when is the TikTok banter page starting? It's mm, a good question. I, I don't have the demands there. And I'm very much like this league, peaks and troughs. <laughs> Three <laughs> videos released on one day, nothing for two weeks. I, I need to be a bit more committed and pumping them into the WhatsApp chat a bit more. Um, if the demand's there, though, uh, yeah, maybe. maybe well, as I said offline, Ed Lamb wants to do Instagram content he wants he wants everyone to create profile videos um which i don't have the time for um but but hopefully ed lamb really steps up to the plate you can imagine that right a man of such commitment absolutely yeah i mean if ed, ed wants to take the insta stream once he sets it up i'll i'll create the tiktok stream and we'll uh, we'll collab <laughs> right and then final question and you are probably going to have to explain some of this to me uh who was sweatier you franco <laughs> at bum's wedding or Pike in the Mallard jumper? Uh, I can guess who that's gone from as well. Um, <laughs> it's got to be Pike in the Mallard jumper. I wasn't even Wait, there. There's not, a, there's not even a sweaty, there's genuinely not a sweaty man alive, even at Bum's wedding. 
Like they people, people they were mopping up the floor behind me while I was dancing, weren't they? <laughs> well, Franco had a change of top, so you know he was yeah. pretty sweaty. I thought, and I decided to just... dance four hours in a knitwear. Yeah. You come dressed like Steve Jobs. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that position with my change of clothes as well, because when I first got there, I was had a backpack on and I was getting quite a lot of ribbon for the backpack because I brought it because I thought, oh, we're doing in October, I might be a bit chilly, I'll, I'll bring a change of clothes. Little did I know that the change of clothes would actually need be needed due to the amount of sweat I was producing on the night. So, um, yeah, I did have a change of clothes and I went through both of them. The level of sweat was unreal, but it's still not up to Pike's level. I mean, the kid was just dripping uh, all night and the nest is like an inferno yeah. and Pike had yeah. a knitted mallard jumper up in there. So, so I yeah, ceiling in the nest is about eight foot high. There's about a hundred people in there. I was wearing a vest and a mallard jumper. I think Dawson took the mallard jumper off me to give to the doorman, and then he came back and realised I was wearing nothing but a vest. <laughs> so I really went, and I still, I think it was this, I might have had longer hair at this point, or had some hair at this point. So I was basically Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Where is the mallard jumper now? Uh, I believe it's tucked up in a box in Hill Farm in uh, what I would call the shrine of the good old days. <laughs> find it that is the first breakaway league merch <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> replicas all around <laughs> oh, amazing I, I, I should have mentioned this at the start part, but the fact that we are both from the west country the fact that my dad's side of the family which is obviously the pike side of the family came from Bradford on Avon your family comes from that area the fact that we are not in some way related is a fucking miracle uh, and I suspect if we did our ancestry research which none of us is going to do because we're not 70 uh, with there's probably some sort of relation five or six generations back uh, particularly like, your hairline is headed the same way as mine so you know yeah yeah I'm just going to constantly and Lam will appreciate this I'm just number two hey number one <laughs> hey number two Ah, brilliant. Right, guys, any final thoughts for the podcast this week? Nothing from me, just to say, Pike, it's been a pleasure having you on, and Spike, it's always been a pleasure being on with you as well. So thank you for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. I'm I'm just really proud that I was on here in front of some, you know, League of Legends, legends, uh, you know, just for listening along I'll, I'll be a keen listener for a long time to come uh, it's been a been a pleasure having you on mate and uh now that i have spent this time with you i have i consider this me meeting you for the fourth time which is now 400 percent more times than i have met <laughs> steve white uh i i still think you may have hired an actor that day a shit one um admittedly but uh i think he may have been a plant he's only there for about 30 minutes wasn't he I can't remember seeing him all day, to be honest. Uh, no, that wasn't. Who, who are you thinking of? Because uh, on our table, there was a few people, but nobody called Steve. Oh, shit. All right. Okay. There was a little girl called Soraya, and Jamie was there. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, Dawson's right. baby, wasn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, I mean, a, bit, a bit of controversy okay. to end All on. Right. Wow, let's leave it like okay. that. Right. Um, Next week headlines. Yes, it has been a pleasure. It's been fun talking to you both. Uh, as always, like and subscribe. We are on all the major podcast platforms now, including Grinder. Um, so until next week, let's ride. Peace out.